and welcome to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks, and a lot has happened over the last couple days. Trades, free agency, and the draft. My name is Tyler from Chicago, and I am joined with, as always, Wally from Chicago. Connor Bedard is officially a Blackhawk. Nick from Chicago. Greatest name of the draft is Marcel Marcel. And John from Rockford. Um, getting Bedard was pretty fun. Absolutely. And if you hadn't picked up on the uh, the quick a little difference there, of course, then you probably didn't see the greatest pre-draft video in the history of um, spontaneous interviews. <laughs> so so I want I want to start there. I want to start there with a little bit of comic relief. What did you guys think of that uh that that early morning Kyle Davidson draft video? Oh, uh, it's legendary. I it, that's all you have to say. It's legendary. He'll forever be known as Kyle from Chicago. I have to agree with Nick there. Like you know what makes it even more funny is that he didn't want to even do it at first, but then he talked with the what's his name, uh, Jeff Greenberg. Yeah, he talked with Jeff Gre- he talked with he talked with Jeff Greenberg, and they decided or he decided to do it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's nice to finally have a likable GM um, for the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll I'll just say that much. I'm just glad they're now making Kyle from Chicago T-shirts from obvious shirts. I'm getting one. I'm getting one. one. I am getting one. Luke Richardson already has one. Yep, I got mine this morning. His wife got it for him. According to Luke Richardson. But with that, let's move into the first big piece of news that we have from the last couple of days, and that is the couple of trades that the Blackhawks did over the last couple of days, all of them involving forwards coming to the Blackhawks for not very much that we had to give up in return the other way. Uh, the first trade that the Blackhawks made was probably the biggest trade in terms of incomings that we've seen in quite a while. The Chicago Blackhawks trade away Alec Regula and Ian Mitchell, who were both expiring RFAs, to the Boston Bruins in exchange for the UFA rights for Nick Felino and Taylor Hall. Yes, we got Taylor Hall, a former MVP for Ian Mitchell and <laughs> Alec Regula. What? What makes this trade even more funny is that they were Boston did it so they could sign Bertuzzi, and maybe, maybe if that didn't work out, it would be Orloff, but. They're not getting either, because Bertuzzi's probably gone. Orloff already signed with the Carolina. It just makes it even the more funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, I don't know what the record is for largest drop-off in a season for standings points, but I think Boston might do it next year. Well, they were frauds last year, so Boston might not even have Bergeron back next year or Krejci. Uh, bringing in Taylor Hall f- and Felino for the Hawks, this is actually a really big deal for the Hawks, I feel mm-hmm. like. 
even Nick Foligno dunked on the Bruins. Yeah, and I do think that it is interesting what a difference like five years makes, because or even like let's just say six six years ago, six years ago, Nick Foligno was the captain of an All Star team, and Taylor Hall was an MVP candidate, who won a heart. Over the course of like that time, I think 2015 was when Nick Foligno was an MV- was the All Star captain, and Taylor Hall was won won the Hart Trophy in 2018, I believe. Yes. So like that's five years ago and eight years ago. That's not very long ago. And then we also have another former Hart winner who <laughs> the Blackhawks acquired this off season. This one was um, another player. This one uh, n- certainly a bit more, a uh, bit more of a reputation. Certainly a bit more of a reputation in the uh, area. And this was Corey Perry, Blackhawks acquiring Corey Perry from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who again was a pending UFA in exchange for a 2024 seventh round pick. I didn't mention it before with Nick Foligno, so I'll mention it with Corey Perry as well. Both of them, who were pending UFAs, signed identical one-year contracts at $4 million. If you told me in 2015, the last time we won a cup and we faced the Anaheim Ducks, which had Corey Perry, that he would be traded to the Blackhawks in 2023, I would have said, you're crazy because I hate that dude. Now, I don't hate him. I love the guy. So I'm super happy he's here. Uh, the thing with guys like Corey Perry is that their whole, their whole job is you hate them when, you're, when they're not on your team, 100%. but you love them when you're there. So you got to kind of put that aside because let's all be clear. Let's all let, let everyone here understand this, no matter how much it pains us. If Andrew Shaw was playing for a different team his entire career, we all would hate his guts. That is probably yeah. likely. Yeah. So we need to all just accept that and acknowledge that Corey Perry does his job well. It's a toxic job, but he does it well. I think everyone will everyone that's saying like, "Oh, I hate the dude. I don't want him here." will instantly love him when he punches someone in the face for uh, checking Bedard late or whatever. Perry is a polarizing guy. He may be a prick on the ice, but you're going to love him. The 300 level, I guarantee it, there are going to be Perry jerseys at the United Center because those are the type of players the people in the 300 level of the United Center love. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I find the most interesting about the Felino and Corey Perry thing does anyone remember a couple of years ago during that playoff series between uh, Toronto and Montreal yes. when uh, Corey Perry accidentally kneed Tavares in the face? Yes. Yes. And then he was, and then somehow, for some reason, it was an expectation that he was going to have to fight after that. Does anyone remember yeah. who went up and fought Corey Perry? It was Felino. It was Nick Felino, yeah. The dumbest fight. That didn't need to happen. It was so dumb. But that was two trades right there. I think that with all this, you know, Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, 
it's experience for the Hawks. And on top of that, it's guys who the Hawks are going to, they're veterans that the players are going to be able to look up to. Guys like Bedard will be able to learn from them and they'll be able to protect them. And they're yeah. also still, they're also still pretty decent players for the most part. Should we talk about uh, Blackhawk legend Josh Bailey a little bit? Oh, yes. yes. Black he Hawk was here legend. for one hour. 25 <laughs> minutes. What a great career 20, he had. 25 minutes. Was it 25 someone, minutes? Okay. So, so I'll, I'll get into the details at first, but someone asked, someone on Twitter was asking, what was your favorite moment of, uh, <laughs> well, what was your favorite moment of Josh Bailey's Blackhawks career? And I put down drafting Adam Guyon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's get into the details here. Um, the Blackhawks acquire Josh Bailey as well as a 2026 second round pick from the New York Islanders in exchange for future considerations. The Blackhawks then turned around and bought out Josh Bailey and the remainder of his one year at $5 million. I would just like to say that about two and a half months ago in mid-April, I made a post on Cap Friendly where I said we would trade Josh Bailey with a second round pick for future considerations. Good job, Tyler. Um, this is the the cap side of the buyout. So in 2024, this year, he'll cost 2.67 million dollars, and then 2025, it's 1.67. So nothing. Mm-hmm. Not much considering where we are right now, and we uh, have uh, no cap issues. And there's no cap issues next year either, considering um, I know the contract bleeds into next season, but there's no real problems there because of look at all the expiring contracts that we have at the end of this year. Yeah, both Felino and Perry are done after this year. Mm-hmm. Whether that's just their contracts or their careers in general, we don't know. Yeah. I also like that uh, Davidson is trying to spread out the picks because ideally – by this time, you might be trading those picks for other assets. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a good idea to acquire future picks. And I know people are like, oh, why didn't they acquire an early second? Um, well, part of it's, I mean, the reserve list and also, I mean, the contracts um, for the younger players. Um, you don't want to have to pay all those guys at once. So I think getting a later pick was a good idea. And one more thing with that. Um, a 2026 second from the Islanders. Look at the contracts they're handing out. Are we sure that's not going to be like in the? T- and are we sure that's not going to be like in the top forty? I could see it happening because the Islanders are one of the more older rosters in the NHL, and they're handing out seven-year contracts. They're handing out contracts like they are peanuts. Pierre, Pierre Engvall and Scott Mayfield both have seven-year contracts. What is this? Those are, like, what the hell are, is Lou thinking? Is he, he clearly needs to retire after this because he's just... His thought process yeah. is thinking older players are worth signing for seven years. Yeah, and if Bo Horvat never turned... If Bo, have, Bo, if Bo Horvat never figures it out in the in, with the Islanders and... Just everything with that team. That could be a very valuable pick. Something I like also about this Josh Bailey trade is that 
Uh, Kyle Davidson was asked at his media press conference in at uh, day two of the draft, uh, why did they buy out Josh Bailey? And he gave the reason was that uh, he didn't think he would have a solid like roster spot, um, like every night or game in game out, and that's something that players notice. Like he bought him out so he could go find another roster spot somewhere else that could give him ice time and playing yeah. time. I think that's pretty good. Like that players notice that and that gives them more reasons to want to come here potentially. And I don't think it's being talked about enough. Mm-hmm. It's Kyle from Chicago doing smart moves by um, giving respect to the player because it sounded like um, Josh Bailey also wanted to go to a contending team. So um, Kyle wanted to just basically um, – his wishes and let him go as a free agent. Yeah. And at the time of this recording, Josh Bailey is still a UFA who has not been signed up by a different team. However, I wouldn't be surprised if he's signed by a good team. I think it could be Boston. I think you could see like one year, 1.5 in Boston for him. I could say I'm getting paid less just because he did get bought out. And uh, he's going to get two paychecks by two teams at this point. Mm-hmm. You just don't see GMs respecting players that have never played a game for their franchise. I just think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that it's it's the kind of thing that gives you good rapport yeah. heading into the uh, contending window. Hell, there's some teams that don't even give their like legends or players that have been there for a long time respect. McCrimmon. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I mean, that was clearly where you were angling with that, right? It was Vegas, yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Yes. I was thinking of uh, the uh, whole Marc-Andre Fleury situation. But with that, uh, next thing we want to discuss is qualifying offer news. So the Blackhawks had a bunch of pending restricted free agents this summer. And with all the names that they had, only one guy actually ended up receiving a qualifying offer from the Chicago Blackhawks. Let's first go through the list of all the guys who did not get qualifying offers. And starting with the least notable names and going to the most notable and maybe the more surprising ones at the very end. So, Wally? Um, Cam Hillis, Hunter Drew, uh, Maxim Golod were probably like the three ones that really, probably no one really cared about if I'm being completely honest. It's Hunter, Rockford Legend, Hunter Drew to you, Wally. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> barely played, barely played. Did he even get in the playoff game? No. <laughs> and it's also Cameron or Rockford legend Cameron Hillis to you, Wally. Also didn't get in the playoff game. And neither did Max Golod, so yeah. Legends nonetheless. No, legends nonetheless. Okay, and then more notable names. Uh Anders Bjork, Austin Wagner. Caleb Jones is probably the biggest name here, and then Jakob Galvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with all those names of guys who are not sticking around, um, I believe the one of the guys we do know a location for is Galvis is signing with the Malmo Redhawks. Yep. But other than that, 
the other guys there. There's one guy out of that list who was maybe a bigger surprise, and that was Caleb Jones, who I do think will get an NHL contract somewhere else, probably just a little bit pricey here. And we had other guys we could fill who we want to give those opportunities to. Yeah, he kind of moved down the list of the depth, or he kind of moved down the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we have one guy who did receive a qualifying offer, and again, at the time of this recording, is yet to actually sign a contract, but is currently an RFA with rights owned by the Blackhawks. And of course, Wally, who is that? Philip Kurashev. Yes, Philip Kurashev. Who is is simultaneously the best and worst player on the Blackhawks? Last year. Last. And I do mean that in like literally every single capacity of hockey. (laughs) You've made some some analogies about how he plays Tyler. (laughs) Four checks like a gazelle with his head cut off. (laughs) <laughs> or like a lost puppy. <laughs> yeah, lost puppy's the other one. Okay, you do have to admit though, he did play a lot better when he was paired with Reichel and was it the talking Nick, that's what we were literally talking about before you came on, and then he's Ty was like disrespecting that line. I I don't really care because they were clearly the only te- the only line on the entire roster who was like capable of talent. Give that line respect, please. Thank you. A- I mean, technically, you just kind of did. AA is not doing anything next year. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying respect them for their insanity run. <laughs> as long as you acknowledge, it's probably just a insanity run. Hey, maybe maybe Reichel will carry next year that line. Well, if he Reichel's, plays on it. Reichel's, Reichel's independent of those two. Okay. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> lots of tangents tonight, I see. Yeah. Um but after that very roundabout way to the main event of the entire show. The draft happened. Draft was Wednesday and Thursday night. And it was wonderful. John was there, so you, we were the, you were there Wednesday night, and then Thursday morning and afternoon was day two. John, how was the entire experience? Well, I wasn't there Thursday. We left Thursday. Uh, I think we got there as I think we got back in Chicago once like the sixth round was going. So that's good. Anyways, day two, one was pretty awesome. Trades would have been nice because of chaos, but we didn't get any for the first time since 2007, I think. Who had the first pick that year? The Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, so while you guys were talking about the whole, like, we're trying to trade up thing, we literally saw it happening in, like, real time, because we saw Kyle Davidson on the phone, and then we thought, um... We're going to trade with Toronto because we saw Brad Tree living on the phone simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it was pretty cool. We saw Andrew Cristal's family. That was kind of cool. Um, we didn't see Andrew Cristal himself, but we saw his family. Um, I saw Luke Richardson. I saw Paul Bissonnette. Saw Gary Bettman. 
Um, those are pr- pretty much the notable names that I that I encountered. Oh, in Josh, Nashville. did you go to the after party? Yes, I went both. Yeah, so I went to the pre and post draft uh, party, and uh, Oliver Moore and Connor Bedard went there. So that was pretty cool to see them and see them talking about how fun Chicago should be. And the price went absolutely nuts when they showed up. Like ev- after every word, people cheered. <laughs> like they said hi, and everyone started cheering. <laughs> oh, I can understand that. I mean, like, especially like, I mean, like, Bedard, we all knew that was happening, but Oliver Moore, that was wild. How did that happen? Like, how did that? How? Happen? How? We should do a bit of a recap into the into the NHL draft as a whole. Obviously, the Blackhawks went and took Connor Bedard first overall. Um, no surprises there at all. At this point, we've talked enough about Bedard, where we all know the the the, the deal on him. Very impressive skater, bit smaller, but one of the best shots uh, in the entire league already at his age. Super intelligent, super fast, super smooth, very skilled, and he put up a ridiculous level of points in both the World Juniors and, as well, um, in the WHL. We all, know what, we all know what it is for them. One more thing I want to say about attending the draft. Blackhawk fans travel so well. There might have been as many Blackhawk fans as Predator fans, and that's saying something. There were so there were so many Blackhawk fans, and going into enemy territory, I was thinking that people were going to attack me for my like my Blackhawks gear. I got zero complaints about my Blackhawks jersey. There were only compliments. It was nice to see. The thing though is they can't implement their keep the red out policy during the NHL draft. So like the Blackhawks fans are finally going to be no, there. But I was expecting like teams or like Predator fans say like, "Oh, you're a Blackhawks fan, you're terrible," or blah 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 or whatever. But I would have got none of that. John, mm-hmm. please say you were booing David Poyle, uh, Harry Bettman's punching bag for the first ten minutes of the draft. I was not because I respect Dave Poyle and what he's done. I think it's pretty cool actually that he's the only, uh, up until this point, the only Predators GM. But I did boo Gary Bettman, so don't worry, Nick. Okay. But I like Dave- how I, I always I I find it fun at this point that Gary Bettman encourages the booing. <laughs> he's encouraged. <laughs> he knows he's going to get booed. It's a joke at this point. It's not like Batman's the worst commissioner in professional sports. That title belongs to either Goodell or um, Manfred. Manfred. Yeah, Manfred's. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about baseball on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, with that, let's move into some of the later picks. Um, Bit of a surprise early, honestly. Uh, Anaheim decides to go with Leo Carlson. The place went nuts shock. when that happened. The place went absolutely nuts when that happened. Yeah, I went nuts. It was wild. Um, then after that, so Fantilli goes to Columbus. Um, Mitchkov drops all the way to seven. Um, Carey Price forgot David Reinbacher's last name. I think the Mishkov pick was actually kind of savvy by Philly. They just started their rebuild, so they have all the time. And on top of that, yeah, and on top of that, like the good thing that they have in that situation is 
they stole him from Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, th- everyone knew that if he fell to Washington, they were going to take Mitchkov because they had no reserve. They had no uh, problems with taking a Russian, obviously. So in that situation, they probably looked at that and said, we cannot let this guy terrorize us in our division for the next 15 years. Yeah. And he wants to go to Philly. Like he made that clear to them. He mm-hmm. didn't, he made it clear to Arizona that he wouldn't go there, which is hilarious. Pick, yeah. The pick the Coyotes made just ahead of uh, Metchkoff was a very questionable pick, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, from what I've heard from a lot of people, a lot of people like, like the draft Twitter community, they like Dmitry Simashev a lot more than David Reinbacher. Like a lot, lot more than David Reinbacher. I mean, I like Simashev too, but I didn't like him at six. They, if was, they wanted Simashev, they probably would have got him at the 12th pick. I don't know about that. It was really more about Mitchkov than anything. Like taking taking him over Mitchkov, like okay, you have two Ru- you have two Russians. It's like it's like it's like every everything that you could be concerned about with Mitchkov, you just drafted a Russian. You drafted two Russians. But Mitchkov made it clear that he wouldn't want to play there. Yeah, so I get them change. passing. Yeah, but yeah, but things change in three years. Who knows where Arizona will be in three years? Who knows where the Coyotes will be in three years? Arizona, irrespective. Yeah, they might not even be in the state. Yes, that was implied by my statement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's about the team. The team pretty mm-hmm. is pretty bad. Yeah, but moving down the list, um, a uh, bit of uh, rival news. Um, uh, St. Louis selects Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, somehow all these teams let Zach Benson fall into Buffalo's yeah, laps. Weird. Somehow, Cam Robinson. What do we predicted it? Kevin Adams, best GM in the league. No, that's Kyle Davidson, sir. It's Kyle uh, from Chicago. Yes. Um, Cam Robinson of Elite Prospects said that when Zach Benson falls, I'm going to be very mad, and then he fell. Yeah. Uh, Cam Robinson has been the biggest Zach Benson fanboy all year. Um, and then as we move forward, uh, Nashville ends up getting Matthew Wood. And the more and more we're looking at this, we're like, hey, we've got like Colby Barlow and Oliver Moore still on the table. By the time that it gets to the Hawks, Winnipeg pick before us selects Colby Barlow. So we go up there and as the Hawks have been trying to trade up for Oliver Moore, he's just there. Steal of the draft. Yeah, it's the steal of the draft. Mm-hmm. Adam steal going draft, seven. No questions asked. No, Adam going eight. In a conservative, uh, the people who I, who I respect very highly, who I will just shout out here, Will Scouch from Scouching, as well as Graham Slam, you should definitely... Follow both of them on Twitter. Both of them have Oliver Moore in their top five in this draft, ahead of Will Smith. Both of them have both of them have him ahead of Will Smith, and just behind the big four, which is Mitchkov, Carlson, Fantilli, and Bedard. 
Should I mention that Oliver Moore will be roommates with Sam Renzel next year in uh, Minnesota? No, uh, that's cool. That is that is something that I saw as well. So I'm I'm very excited for that. I will be watching a lot of the University of Minnesota next year because I'm excited to see those two, especially next to Logan Cooley. I'm gonna add something real quick. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows he's the best skater in the draft. Um, he his compete is high end. He has great skill. The only concerns that I've seen with him are his like brain catching up to his feet because he moves so fast that sometimes he has trouble keeping up. Um, I have also seen that feet. concern. You're saying after the CU type? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I think he's, I think his skill is way higher than oh, after yeah. the CU's. I think he means the whole brain catching oh, up to the feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where yeah, I that is that, that is the Athens that is the Athens CU conundrum where you're too fast for your own head. But they also said in that same sentence that, or the scouts that I've read about, or the scouting reports I read about him is that if he did have better line mates, he probably would have put up greater point totals. Even though his point totals were pretty good this last season. Yes, so. because he was yeah because despite everything. He wasn't even the top line center on the U eighteen team because they gave that role to Will Smith. Like in the in the scouting report that Elite Prospects made, which is fantastic. Um, their draft peer reviews are so good. Um, they said, or one guy said, uh, if you switch in the lineup, Oliver Moore and Will Smith, their point totals probably probably switch as well, and that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not surprising because Oliver Moore was playing second-line center the whole year, basically, and was not on the first power play unit and was basically their lead penalty killer. It's not necessarily surprising because the skill after those top four kind of falls off a cliff, for lack of a better term. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, And the thing to think about there, which is interesting, is with that quality of player, and the fact that that could be like the gift that we need. You look at the prospect pool the Blackhawks had up to this point in terms of forwards. It was a How barren many, wasteland. It was it was a barren wasteland, but most importantly, it was a barren wasteland at center. We had guys oh, who yeah. we view as like semi centers: Reichel, eh, not really; Nazar, eh, not entirely. I I prefer both of them on the wing. And then you look at other guys who maybe are centers, like Gutman. I don't see him as a top six guy. Colton Dock. Colton Dock. No, I no, I don't even I don't even see Colton Dock as a center. Ryan Green. Ryan Green, I would probably view him more at I don't know if I could view him entirely as a top six, maybe more oh, towards no, no. middle six like third line on a good team. But with that, getting Oliver Moore, a guy who could be a high end second line center if everything goes well. Behind a guy like Connor Bedard. That's the foundation for a fantastic group. And now we're starting to build a foundation for the future, and we still have so many picks. On any other team, Oliver Moore would probably be a first-line a first line center at his, at his peak, but he's going to be our second-line center, which is going to be fantastic if he hits, which he, there's a good chance he will. Mm-hmm. We'll see how he does next year. Um, hopefully there's no injury concerns like Frank Nazar had. 
Um, but with that, let's move into the rest of the draft. And we will start with all the ways we got this right. <laughs> because, oh my god, everything just went exactly how Wally predicted in his mock draft. And it was very funny. Um, first up... This, this pick is interesting. First up, at pick 35... Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen makes me cry. <laughs> because at pick 34, he takes Gavin Brindley right in front of us. To pair with uh, Adam Fantilli. Yeah, but we get the first goalie. We do need to give all credit to Wally by calling him Bob McKenzie now. <laughs> Blackhawk McKenzie. Well, yeah, I'll just say that I knew that the Hawks were very interested in Adam Guyan. I didn't know that he would go at 35th, though. Um, I don't think he's going at 35 if Brimley's there. Maybe no, not. No, he's probably not. But maybe they were a tad worried that he would go before 44, which is where I had him. Uh, I believe I had Guyan going 44 in my written mock draft. I had him 55 in, uh, in the podcast yeah. version of my <laughs> mock draft. Yeah. How awkward will it be when Guyon and Bedard <laughs> met up? Uh, because Bedard's the one that basically um, made that highlight real overtime goal against Guyon in the World Juniors. And he hit the heartbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why we're confident that we would have taken Gavin Bernoulli is because with 44, we took a very small player. Yeah, it's like 5-9. Yeah, let's get into that guy. Roman Kantsarov from Russia was the guy at pick number 44. Um, Wally, what can we say about Roman Kantsarov? Because it seems like this was our Gavin Burnley consolation prize. Yeah, he's he's an excellent skater. Um, he has some good skill. He has a good shot. Um, put up 27 goals and 54 points in 45 MHL games, which is the Russian Junior League, basically. Um, but obviously he lacks size at only 5'9", and he's not very physical. I probably wouldn't have taken him at uh, 44, but I didn't hate the pick either because it's, it's a good bet on skill. So, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, and with that... So we have pick 44, which was the pick where we take cancer of. Pick 51. 51 ended up getting traded away. We trade that pick to Philadelphia. And in return, we get a second rounder next year, which I believe is the King's second rounder. Yes, King's second. And then we also get a sixth rounder in the draft that just happened. Which we used on Milton Oscarson. Yeah, so we turn one pick into two, and we still have a second rounder. So again, it's just pushing those second rounders back. We What we had was we had four seconds this year and two seconds next year. Now that turns into three and three, keeping up the spreading of the picks. And we keep on spreading out those picks. And as you see, for the next three years, we have three seconds, two seconds, and three seconds. Yep. yep. Kyle Davidson. No, Kyle from Chicago. Kyle from Kyle Chicago. From Chicago. Give that man his credit. He's hey, Kyle from uh, Chicago. Bow, Kyle from Chicago. Moving on now, because we traded away pick 51. Pick 55 is where the Blackhawks end up making another pick. And 
this pick was another mock draft gotcha. Yep, uh, Martin Mishiak. I originally had him going 93 in the podcast mock, which was a Hawks pick. Um, obviously, he went a little earlier than that. Um, he's a great athlete, good skater, um, has a really great motor, um, and he's physical, uh, good size at 6'2". Uh, the, there are questions about his high-end skill, though, um, and his production wasn't necessarily too great in junior. So I read a little bit of a scouting report and they kept on saying how much he, how much he works. Like it just, they set, kept on saying how much his motor, like it seems like it never ends, which is very good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that before we move on anymore, I think that it's important that we go through and make sure that we, are clear about where all these prospects are going to be next year. So obviously Bedard is eligible to go back to Regina, but he's obviously going to be a full-time NHLer next year. Oliver Moore will be heading to University of Minnesota next season. Um, and then from the guys we've already talked about, Adam Guyon is going to be heading to the University of Minnesota Duluth after next year because he will be going full-time to the USHL next season after splitting this year between the NAHL and the USHL. But eventually after that, he'll go to Minnesota Duluth. And then the last two guys, last two guys in round two, you had Roman Kantsarov, who's next year going to be it with, he's in the Metallurg Magnetogor system. And we'll see if he gets full-time uh, KHL time next year. My hope is that he's a full-time VHL next year. And the last guy is uh, Martin Mishiak. Now it's unclear where he's going to be next year. He just played in the USHL. He's ineligible for the NCAA because he has professional hockey experience. My bet is that he goes to the CHL because he was drafted last year in the import draft by the Saginaw Spirit. So seeing maybe Martin Mishiak play next to Michael Misa, that sounds like fun. But now we move on to round three where Wally? You did it again. Yep. Um, I had so Nick Lardis obviously went at 67th. I had him going to the Hawks at 44th. So obviously I had him going earlier, um, but they still got him. Uh, elite skater, great shot, um, good motor, good hockey sense. He's a little smaller at 5'11 and 168, more so the weight than the height. Um, he struggled a little bit before being traded to the Hamilton Bulldogs. But with Hamilton, he caught fire and scored 25 goals and 46 points in 33 games. And I believe he had 10 points in like five or six games in the playoffs as well. Um, And next year, he will return to the OHL. I don't think the Bulldogs are in Hamilton anymore, but he is returning to the Bulldogs. They are actually in Brantford now. Then we move on to the other third round pick that we had in which the Blackhawks um, start to make picks that honestly were guys that were a little bit less known. So this one was uh, Yuri Felkman. Um, I believe it's pronounced Felkman. That's how yeah, it was right, pronounced right. on ESPN. So that's how I'm assuming it was pronounced. So I'm mostly going off of what Mike Donaghy said here. Um, he said he was a good skater. Um, his hockey IQ stands out, and so do his size. He's 6'4 and 198 pounds. Um, he had 31 points in 40 games uh, in Switzerland's under-20 league and also represented uh, Czechia at the under-18 world championships. Um, 
I don't think he has a whole lot of skill. Um, and more than likely, he'll return to uh, Lang now's under-20 team. But he could also be drafted into the CHL in the import draft, so I'd keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I believe that at this moment in time, he does not have an import draft team that he is currently attached to. Um, yes, that is correct. There are no listed drafts here for Yuri Felkman. Did have a good season in the under-20 Swiss League, but it is also the under-20 Swiss League. But he is 6-4, so there is that. Big. He's big. And with the rest of the draft, the Blackhawks continued on the big trend. The next pick was Alex Ferrand. Yeah, uh, they selected him at 99. Um, High-end motor, very competitive, uh, very physical. He actually fought in CHL top prospects game against Callum Lind, I believe. Um, he has great hands, good size at 6'3 and uh, 205 pounds. The main concerns with him are his skating and his top-end skill. Um, and his production wasn't necessarily great, where he only had 18 points. Or, sorry, 18 goals. <laughs> 18 goals and 39 points in 67 games with Sudbury. And he will play for them next year as well. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that was our fourth round pick. We now move into the fifth round where this is the first time since I would say the third round with Lardis and probably I would say the first time since Mishiak where I knew the player like before hearing about it from Wally. And that was obviously the guy that I remember from the uh, World Juniors because he played very well and also his name is very fun. Marcel Marcel. I love Marcel Marcel. He's my Probably the greatest draft already. <laughs> Only rivaled by Ivan Ivan. Ivan Ivan Ivan. Actually, hang on. I think that we need to do a PSA now. That was actually misinformation. Ivan is not his middle name. No, I know. I only said Ivan. Oh, unless I know else said Nick Ivan, did. Ivan. Nick, oh, Nick okay. did. Yeah, no, that was I'm actually just, misinformation. I'm just saying Ivan is not by, his middle name. All I'm saying by the graphic I saw in the World Juniors, it was Ivan. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Another ch- another Czech player who went to the queue. I don't think he got drafted. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think he did. <laughs> Uh, Marcel Marcel is teammates with Sammy Savoy, shouldn't mention. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the first thing that really stands out about him is his size. He's 6'4", but he's, he weighs 242 pounds. Um, he can skate. He can actually skate pretty well for being that size. Um, and this is all from Mike Donaghy as well. Uh, he competes well. He has some skill. I wouldn't say it's super high on though. And as Nick mentioned, he played with uh, Samuel Savoie uh, at Gatineau. Um, there are questions about, obviously, his high-end skill and his hockey sense. Um, he put up 14 goals and 32 points in 52 games. Uh, he also represented Czechia at the Under-20 World Championships, where he put up, I believe it was five or six points in about as many games. Um, and he will return to Gatineau next season. He had seven points in the um, World Championship. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, and with that, um, we move into our last two selections, 
of this draft, the sixth round pick, which of course was the one that we got from Philly. We ended up using this pick on Milton Oscarson, who is a bit of an interesting one because a little bit of an older guy. He was a draft plus two player, but he was a full, almost entirely a full-time SHLer this year. Yeah, he played on the same team as uh, Leo Carlson, actually. Um, he has a great motor. He's very good defensively, uh, good hockey sense, and he's massive at uh, 6'6 and 216 pounds. Um, isn't great offensively, uh, not a great skater, and his production was kind of lackluster. In the regular season, he put up three points in 45 SHL games. Um, but he put up four goals and six points in 13 SHL playoff games. So that was pretty impressive. Um, and he will return to, I believe it's, is it a Rebro or something like that? Um, I'm not yeah, exactly. a, a Rebro. Okay. However, whatever Tyler just said. So yeah. that's where he's playing next season. Mm, yeah. Now, if you hadn't noticed yet, the Blackhawks have made 10 draft picks. And like Wally predicted, Every one of them, except for one, was a forward, and the only one who wasn't was a goalie. So, it's even less defensemen than we thought at the time. We thought they would draft two defensemen. They only ended up drafting one, and ended up being this last guy here taken in the seventh round. Who might not exist, by the way. Yeah, so they selected Yanni Peltonen at 195th. Um, So, what Mike Donaghy said, uh, he said... It was kind of a similar situation to Riku uh, Tohila last year, where he watched none, absolutely nothing of Yanni Peltonen, um, but he relied on the Finnish scout Miku, Miko Uoma, I believe is his name. Um, and from what I've gathered, he's a good skater. Um, he has a good size at 6'3". Uh, he's physical, competes pretty well, but he literally provides nothing offensively. Um, he'll probably... Sp- split time with uh, Carpot and Liga and they're under 22. Yeah. And he's definitely more of a developmental guy because he's typically, he has a profile for a player that usually takes more time and he was in his draft year. So this isn't like a guy farther along in his development. This isn't a redraft. This isn't a guy like Oscarson who was a draft plus two or a guy like Marcel Marcel who was a draft plus one. This is a guy who is younger who needs time to develop and will have probably all four years of his rights to marinate in the Finnish system and develop. And we'll see what we get from him as a seventh rounder. Um, Definitely not expecting anything, but if we get anything out of it, hey, we got something out of it. And with that, that is the end of our draft recap. Overall grades for the draft as a whole. Wally, what are your thoughts on the draft as a whole? I'd say it's probably an A to an A+. Um, I think it's hard to not give it an A+, just because you get Connor Bedard and Oliver Moore in the first round. There were some picks that I didn't necessarily agree with, like where they were picked at the time. Um, But I feel like Connor Bedard and Oliver Moore kind of just make it an A+, by default. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel a similar way. Personally, for the day two picks alone, I'm giving those a B minus. But the day one selections were like an A plus plus plus. 
So you weigh that out and you give it an A. And that's where I have it. I have the draft as an A, but day two on its own, a B minus. I'm kind of in the same thing with Tyler and Wally, kind of. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily take a goalie at 35, but I do like the player that they took. Uh, I do like that look, Nick Wardis pick. Everyone's saying he's a steal. And obviously, day one was absolutely fantastic. So I'll give it an A. Yeah, I will give it an A as well. I like the pick of Adam Guyon at 35 just because look how it um, unfolded for the goalie picks. Just one after one after one to send that second round. So I was glad they ended up taking a goalie because I guarantee it they would not have ended up with a goalie if they didn't take Guyon. At 35. Well, they would have ended up with a goalie, just not him, because I think that with their next pick, they if Guyon wasn't there, I'd probably take Augustine, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't think they would have taken Michael? Well, what if... Know. Well, See, Hrabble was taken in between our two picks, so maybe he still goes. Hrabble is considered the top goalie like probably the first one to go off the board. Obviously he didn't, but he was considered the top goalie by most people um, in the draft. So, Yeah. Well, we'll see if the Hawks' convictions on Adam Guyana were right, and we'll see if their convictions on all these selections were right. In terms of other news along with that, um, we will be releasing our prospect pyramids for the Blackhawks now updated with the guys who are leaving the system and the guys who are coming into the system probably sometime over the summer. And with that, we have development camp coming up. The Hawks are doing a unique thing this year where with development camp, um, they aren't actually doing any scrimmage. There's no on ice training at all. And what that means is that unlike previous years, there are no amateur tryout contracts. Nobody who is not, who is like an undrafted player has been signed for the development camp. It's just strictly Blackhawks prospects. Uh, Wally, I think we have a couple interesting notes about the guys who weren't invited to development camp. Yeah, there were, there were a few guys that it was kind of interesting to see that they weren't invited. Um, the first one that kind of stands out was Safanov, Ilya Safanov. Um, but it's not, it wasn't too surprising. Um, just the thing that I was a little caught off guard was that like Roman Kansarov was originally on the development camp roster. Um, that changed, but I was a little surprised that one Russian was invited and the other one wasn't. Um, and then there were some other guys as well. Uh, Liam Gorman, Louis Crevier, Michael Crudel, and Michael Tepley were also not on the roster, which I found a little interesting, but it wasn't necessarily surprising. Another note, uh, it sounds like uh, the Hawks are trying to just take away the skates from Connor Bedard because he apparently just wants to be on the ice. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, the Crevier and the Tepley ones are ones I'm not surprised by because typically those development camps don't include guys with a full year at least of AHL experience. Um, Michael Crudel, on the other hand, uh, let's just move on. 
<laughs> um, and then and then Liam Gorman. Liam Gorman's the one that really does surprise me because they went out of their way to acquire him. And there was this regime that went out of their way to acquire Liam Gorman for a draft pick. So I'm surprised that he wouldn't have been invited to development camp just a year later. But with that, that is going to be everything for our draft recap. We only have one bit of information left to discuss, and that is a free agency signing. Blackhawks have only made one free agency signing as of this date. Um, I expect that there will be more news in terms of free agency, because as of this moment in time, the Blackhawks have 40 players under contract, and they do have to sign Philip Kurashev, so they'll be at 41 once that's done. So we might see some other guys sign with the Hawks. Um, maybe not so, because the Blackhawks don't have a ton of spots left in either Rockford or Chicago. However, they did make one signing today, and that signing was bringing in Ryan Donato, who was previously with the Seattle Kraken. And that was a two-year deal with an annual average value of $2 million. What's everyone's thoughts on bringing in Ryan Donato? Because I think this one caught me a little bit off guard. I wasn't necessarily expecting any free agents to happen, but it was cool. Um, so I made a list last night of people that I thought that would be signed. And Ryan Donato was not on that list. So I was a little bit caught off guard, too. Yeah, I was caught off guard by it, but I've always liked Donato, and I think the signing's good as two years by $2 million per. It's a solid pickup. He can slot into any of the lineup spots on the team, it feels like. So I'm, I honestly like Donato on the Hawks. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a fine sign. Actually, um, I made a free agent list a little bit ago, um, and one of the names on there, funny, funnily enough, was uh, Ryan Donato. Um, I think I think it's a fine signing. Um, apparently, they wanted to play in their top six, which I'm a little iffy about because I think there's players with more skill. Um, but it, it's a fine signing. Uh, better than uh six by two point five for Miles Wood. Yes. <laughs> well, he, well, he wanted him so bad that he went for six years by. I wouldn't have done that. All right. Much. And with that, with that, I want to give one last thing. Today we just had July first. Blackhawks have a bunch of players on their rosters, and I want to give some. I want to give out a, a list of a bunch of names. We're going to go through 16 forwards. And then we are going to go through, um, after that, we are going to go through nine defensemen. And then after that, we are going to go through, well, two goalies. But I'm going to go through first all 16 forwards. And then you two are going, all of you are going to give me the two guys who don't make the team. Let's go through all the names. Taylor Hall, Tyler Johnson, Andreas Athanasiu, Nick Foligno, Corey Perry, Jason Dickinson, Ryan Donato, Colin Blackwell, Cole Gutman, Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, Philip Kurashev, Lucas Reichel, and Connor Bedard. Wally, you first. Which two guys don't make the team? So there's a couple of factors like at play here. Um, I don't think Mackenzie Entwistle makes it. That's going to be probably the easiest one for me. 
Um, the second one's a little more difficult because with the Hockey Canada like 2018 thing coming out probably soon, it could affect two players, Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish. Um, and also Cole Gutman's also he's coming back from an injury, a uh, pretty serious one. So I don't know if he's going to be healthy by then. Um, but my best guess at this point would probably be Mackenzie Entwistle and Colin Blackwell do not make the team. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing there. Cole Gutman is also the only guy um, of the guys who could legitimately get sent down, which is basically only him, Reichel, and Bedard, who is waiver-exempt. Everyone else on that list is eligible for waivers, and neither Reichel nor Bedard will get sent down this year. Those are obvious ones. Um, let's go to Nick first. Which two guys do you think don't make the team? Um, as much as I like Gutman, with the fact that he's going to probably be coming back from an injury, I think they'll send him down to Rockford. And then, um, I don't think Blackwell will make the roster. Okay. Uh, John? You know, the, the whole Gutman injury thing is a good point. I still think he makes it. Um, so I'll say Entwistle and Boris Kachuk. Okay. And for me, my picks are going to be, I think that, I think it will be Cole Gutman. I think the combination of coming back from an injury, as well as the fact that I think that he would do really well starting next season as, um, starting next year as, uh, Rockford's 1C. I think he'll get games in the NHL, and I think he'll end the year on the roster. But I don't necessarily know if he'll start the year on the roster. Um, and then the other guy? I'm going to say Boris Kachuk, and I think it's a combination of many games where he wasn't very good last year. I think he turned it on at the end of last year, but I think that his performance levels weren't always the best, and I think that there's that plus maybe the combination of Hockey Canada kind of max mixes in together, and I'm going to say Boris Kachuk. Right? Next up, we're going to move into a collection of nine defensemen. And these nine defensemen are Seth Jones, Nikita Zaitsev, Connor Murphy, Jared Tenorti, Kevin Korchinski, Wyatt Kaiser, Alex Vlasic, Isaac Phillips, and Philip Roos. Wally, which two guys do you think don't make the roster? So, as much as I am a fan of Philip Roos, I don't think he makes it. Um, The other one, I'd probably say Wyatt Kaiser. I think he probably needs some more time. Uh, in the AHL. All right. Um, and I will also add this question. Assuming we do sign like one more defenseman who like is a veteran that fits into the team, who's the next guy to go? That's tough. I think, I think Kevin Korchinski gets at least nine games. Um, and depending on how he plays, they'll either send him down or keep him in Chicago. So I think that's a factor. Um, and I'd probably say he'd probably be the most likely if we did sign another defenseman to get sent down. All right. And worth mentioning, every single one of the guys that I mentioned, uh, Roos, Korchinski, Kaiser, Vlasic, and Phillips, any of those guys who are candidates to get sent down, all of them are waiver exempt. So there's no concerns there. Uh, Nick, you next. Which two guys do you think are going to go? I think it's going to be uh, Roos and Kaiser going to Rockford. Um, and I do think they give 
Korchinski a nine-game tryout, but I honestly think they will send him back to uh, Seattle. All right. And then, John, where are you going? I'm kind of agreeing with everyone else. It's going to be Roos and Kaiser, and then Korchinski probably gets nine ga- at least nine games in the NHL this year. Mm-hmm. I would mostly feel the same way. Um, I do have this interesting inkling. It's going to depend. I think that the battle between Kaiser and Phillips is going to be pretty tight. I, I think that it is going to come down to them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Phillips, or I wouldn't be surprised if Kaiser ekes him out with some good uh, preseason performances. So I'm actually going to say Bruce and Phillips. Phillips disrespect. I love. I, I'm. I'm. I am a fan of Isaac Phillips. I just felt that there needed to be at least one person to say something different. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I respect it. I respect it. Um, and then I think everyone's in agreement here that the obvious decisions are that the two goalies will be Peter Morazic and Arvid Soderblom next year. Yeah, yep. unfortunately. unfortunately. Well, <laughs> not, not unfortunate for Soderblom. Mm-hmm. We, I think we're all in agreement that we should have bought out Peter Morazic and signed a goalie. As long as Morazic can stay healthy, then it's fine. But he's that, not. That's a big that end. A, he's not. It's not even a question. He's going to get injured. He's going to get injured. It's not even a question at this point. Tyler, healthy and Mrazic, it does not go in the same sentence. Unless you're, unless you're saying unhealthy. <laughs> ah, that's good. All right. Um, but with that, uh, that is actually going to be the end of this episode of the Hockey Puckcast. Um, this is going to be the final episode before I get my brand new PC. What does that Ooh. mean? Well, that means that video podcasts are coming back soon. Video podcasts are coming back. Um, Ending is going to be a lot easier for me. So we're going to get video podcasts and audio podcasts coming very soon. Probably starting with whatever the one after this one is. It's going to be very exciting. I'm really excited for everything. We'll have either draft recap or, or we'll have we'll have more free agency recap. Um, prospect here, maybe we get some more trades. Not sure entirely. It seems like Kyle Davidson is pretty set in stone. And he feels pretty secure about what he wants to do with this roster for the time being. But maybe we'll have some other things that we'll be able to discuss in the time being. Until then, that's going to be it for this episode. Um... Thank you so much for joining me. Wally from Chicago. Let's go Hawk. Nick from Chicago. The Dard era is here. And John from Rockford. Kyle from Chicago is the best GM in the league. My name is Tyler from Chicago. This has been the Hockey Podcast in Chicago. And we will see y'all next time. Take care, Chicago. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.